it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to Series 3 of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, one of the men's basketball coaches at Indiana Wesleyan. In Season 1, we told the story God wrote of how the men in our program traded the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three, ultimately culminating in a national championship. Here's Coach Tonegal in Episode 1 talking about how pursuing God first and others second translates to any context. It's just ripe for the market. I think it's ripe for culture. Because our culture wants greatness. I am third ultimately produces greatness. I think it produces greatness inside of individuals, inside of organizations, in, inside of teams, which is the exact opposite as we've talked about the, the pull of me, which I think just distorts that greatness. This series will take listeners inside each program in IWU's athletic department, sharing how each coach is flipping the world's vision of leadership upside down, instead pursuing kingdom greatness through discipleship. The terminology in each program may be different, and the application may change. But the coaches at IWU believe pursuing God first and others second is a powerful way to live and to lead in any context. Today's episode will feature the golf program. Coach Lauren Oak will join in the first half to talk about the mental side of the game of golf and how Christ intersects with his coaching the sport. In the second half, seniors Brooke Fullenkamp and Nick Shad will share their experience in the program. AD Mark DeMichael joins again in overtime, just like every episode in this season to continue the conversation about the IWU Athletic Department culture. We're joined now by Coach O. Coach, can you take listeners through your leadership journey? You've been in a lot of places, and even now you're doing a lot of different things. Can you just talk us through that? Yeah, sure, Jeff. Really happy to be on with you today. Uh, you know, we've uh, been fortunate. My wife and I started coaching together literally two months after I, uh, we got married, and so not only learning to be a head coach, but doing it with your spouse was a really unique experience for me, but it really glued our, our marriage together and really helped our relationship. But it taught me a lot about the emotional side of coaching. I've coached women and men. Uh, you know, some people use the old adage, when you coach men, you're coaching egos, and when you coach women, you're coaching emotions. And, and you know, there's some truth to that. But we've been fortunate to do both at the high school and at the college level. Uh, but I've also been fortunate to teach at the high school and college level, as well as uh, do some administrative work at the high school and college level. And so the combination of those things and having four kids has uh, really given me, I think, uh, a unique perspective. I've been really uh, thankful for the variety of opportunities I've had over the last, oh, about 30 years. And your hands in a lot of things right now across campus and other avenues. But we're talking about golf right now. So when you take all of those experiences, and take it just to leading the men's and women's golf programs. What does your leadership philosophy come to in those areas? Yeah, you know, it, it really comes down to our application of our worldview to our life and the ideas of truth and how we bring truth to the things that we're doing. Uh, because we have to be honest about the time that we have, and, and we're very uh, committed to what it means to be a college athlete for our players and really committed to what our program wants to accomplish. But we want to do that under the umbrella of being really thoughtful and really discerning about what we believe about life and what matters and what's important. So all of those things go together to say we're going to be pretty dialed into uh, the things that promote uh, the right things in our program. Uh, we want to be really um, 
applied to the to the effort to be better golfers, but also to be better people, to be better students, uh, to be better followers of Christ, and and every one of those dynamics. You talked as we were preparing about just filters. When, when you come in and you have these other responsibilities, you have to know what you are doing and what you're not doing and keep yeah. the main thing the main thing. So as, as you think about that, what are the most important things you're doing as you lead this team? Yeah, I think to me the most important thing is the relationships that we build with each other and, and that I build with the players and the relationships that they build with each other and with their, their creator. Uh, certainly if we have the perspective and we talk about this really explicitly on the team, if this is God's world and we're living in his kingdom, how does this play into that kingdom and what are our responsibilities in it and how do we share those responsibilities? So we have to be really discerning. There are things that are not effective uses of our time and we don't want to be wasting time there, but there's things that uh, we have made commitments to that we want to make sure we fulfill. And at the same time, try to be sensitive to the way God's leading us in the discretionary time, the times that aren't maybe necessarily committed. Uh, for me and our family, uh, my kids are grown. Our last one's actually here as a student at uh, Indiana Wesleyan. And so uh, my wife and I have way more time than we used to have from a family commitment. So that, uh, that definitely created some space uh, in my life for this. And so that's one of the ways we looked at it as a ministry. And uh, one of the ways we would choose to be in ministry is uh, is coaching. You talked to me about two seasons you had when you were coaching golf at Bethel and just the difference between the two and really yeah. which one was more successful yeah. in your eyes. Can you yeah. talk listener through those yeah. two seasons? Yeah, you know, I did both volleyball and golf at Bethel, and it was really interesting to see the difference between those two sports. But we had a championship year in 98 in volleyball where uh, we won the national championship and then in 99 where we – we were about 700, and, and uh, but a completely different chemistry. In fact, to the point where I remember talking with one of the seniors after the championship year, and she said, Coach, I thought when, if we won a national championship, it would fix everything, and it didn't. And, and you know, we sometimes have that view that the, <clears throat> the champions are the, are the ones that get to feel good about everything and just walk away. And, and some of the relationships that she had not been able to mend and restore on the team were, were things that she had to just – leave uncared for so the next year uh, God just moved in, in hearts and moved in ways and we accomplished other things off the court that we never accomplished in the championship year on the court so I think uh, you know for some of the players I asked them which one would you rather do again and they said for sure the second one where we didn't you know win a championship because it was a much more well-rounded year and and uh, and we saw what God wanted for us in in just much bigger ways it's really fascinating to compare that to our season this year, and I think it was episode 21 when Evan Maxwell was talking about winning the national title, but ultimately saying if we hadn't had some of the spiritual growth, this would have seemed so unfulfilling. So with that in mind, how do you define success in your coaching role? Yeah, you know what, Jeff, I, I love the opportunity uh, to think about championships. And when we look back at our, our years at Bethel, one of the interesting things that was, was important to me for the perspective of the players that went through it. But every player that played for us for four years won a national championship, at mm. least one. And and that that was really cool to be able to say that. On the other hand, what the story we told at the time was that's just one measure of what we're trying to accomplish. And so for us, success looks like 
changed people. You know, we have uh, not only the players immediately on our team, but we have their families that we impact. We have people around us that we impact, other teams that we impact. So success for us is equivalent to change. And that change means that truth is pervading your life. You know, in every dynamic, every part of your life, you are embracing a a God-centered worldview and you're applying that to your studies, you're applying that to your workouts, you're applying that to your sport, you're applying that to your relationships, you're mending relationships with parents potentially, uh, we've seen some of that. Um, you're mending you know, relationships with roommates and, and whatever. That's where God's really doing his work and that's what we call success. When all of those, when truth is pervading all of those things and you're seeing people legitimately change, especially at this you know, great time of life, mm to be a college student, then then we're going to feel really good about it. And we're going to pay attention to that one other measure of how many times we win. Well, one of the things that's I love watching with your program is just the transparencies involved because of the culture you've created. And I know something Coach Tonigal said to our team a lot is we care less about where you're at than if your heart wants to move in the right direction. Yeah, And it's a lot of what you created on your team. Yeah. Why does that translate to on-the-course success when an athlete has that perspective of being able to be honest about where they're at and wanting to grow? You know what, Coach, I think you guys have the, the fearless you know perspective too, but what Satan wants to do in our lives is create fear. Fear creates deception. Deception creates problems, right? So what we want to do is get ahead of that challenge and, and, and admit that we all have an enemy, right? And that enemy is going to lie to us, and we want to encourage people to defend fight those lies by fighting those deceptions and and so to embrace truth and to move in that direction so truth requires integrity it requires us to be honest about what we're doing but you can only do that in a judgment-free zone so we really try to say we would much rather you be truthful than for you to be worried about what we think of you Hmm. right we all have problems we all have issues we're not going to judge each other in that regard but we do want to see your heart moving in a willing and a, in a positive direction, right? If you want to be um, contrary to that direction, you know what? Actually, we would be okay with you being contrary to it if you just told us, "Look, I'm not interested. I don't want that. I don't, you know, I don't even want to be a good student. I don't want to apply it to any part of life. I don't want to be good off the tee. I just want to chip and putt." You know, then then say that, right? And and we'll just let you hit a three wood all day, and you know, whatever. So I think. Our, this generation, one of the things I like about what postmodern thinking has done to the world is, is really our students at, at this time, they don't want to pretend. They, they don't want people to pretend with them. They want the real story. They want the real truth. And, and, in, and so in their circles, they see that uh, as being problematic if people are deceptive. And uh, so what we want to create is an environment where there is no deception. We're just going to call it like we see it. Uh, if there are activities and things that seem to be negative or detrimental, we're going to call them out. We're just going to say, hey, wait, what are you doing? That's not, that's not what we're trying to do here. So uh, I think it's really important if people feel that freedom uh, to be honest, then it gives them a path to change. If they don't feel that freedom, there is no path to change. It's really fascinating, especially in golf, to see this link between the two. My uh, brother-in-law is a professional golfer, and right. I just see the way he has to yeah. battle it. When you have five minutes, you're walking yeah. between shots. I would think maybe more than any sport, the opportunity to the for the evil one to lie yeah. to us on the course, no maybe more it. in this sport than any other. No doubt about it. <clears throat> and, and you know what, Jeff? This is the thing we tell him too. And, and uh, 
a great story in a book by Bob Rotella called Golf is Not a Game of Perfect. But he says he was talking to actually professional golfers, and he said when you're on the when you're on the practice tee and you're just striping it, you get to go to the first tee and say I got it going on today. I'm ready to play. But if you're on the practice tee and you're a professional and you're knocking the ball all over the place, when you walk off that first tee and head to that or the practice tee and head to the first tee, you must tell yourself I got all my bad shots out of the way and now I'm ready to play. Hmm. You get to choose. And this is what God created in this earthly experience. All of us get to choose. We choose how we think. And that opportunity is in between the five minutes of shots like you're talking about with golf. But it's also in life how I think about how my friends treat me, how I think about how my advantages or disadvantages are in life. I get to choose that thought. And we do not live in the power of choice that God designed for us in this experience as well as we should. We literally get to choose. Well, then make the right choice. Make the good choice. Make the best choice. Make a positive choice. You don't choose to sit in your you know, sorrows and, and cry in your milk. Get up. Get after it. Let's go. You have that opportunity to set that tone and make the best potential next swing you can. One of the expressions we use is you're only as good as your next shot. You're not as bad or as good as your last one. If I hit a great drive, I can't stop and tap dance and you know celebrate on the course because I still got to go finish that thing right if I blow a drive out of bounds my next one's going to be really important so I better be able to make the right choice right there last thing coach why would a recruit choose Indiana Wesleyan over any other place so we've been talking about this with other coaches this place provides something very unique and it's led to a lot of high level players and a lot of sports Talk to that recruit out there that that yeah. would be a perfect fit here. Why Indiana Wesleyan? Yeah, you know what? If you want an experience where you have a, a whole group of people that are headed in the same direction, uh, this is the place to be. And when I say that, I mean our athletic department. I mean our university. Uh, we are, you know, unabashedly Christ-centered. And what that means is we're going to apply truth to every part of our life. But in our program, we're going we're gonna to love people. Again, we want people to be transparent. We want people to be honest. We're going to love them wherever they're at. Uh, but we want to promote the opportunities and the, the uh, chance for growth that they have because they're here. We are a transformational place. So if you're interested in, in lazily just showing up and not putting much effort in and, you know, whatever kind of life, yeah, it's probably not the place for you because we have, you know, highly competent people that are very engaged in making very meaningful efforts in their life. Uh, so you don't have to be something to come here, but you have to want to want to move. Yeah. When we come back, we'll be hearing from one of those athletes and hear about their experience in the golf program, how it's led to transformation in their life. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of I Am Third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I Am Third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www 
www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. We're joined now by seniors Brooke Follenkamp and Nick Shad from the golf team. Guys, I'm really anxious for listeners to hear from you because it is such a unique sport when we talk about faith and we talk about building a team because it's an individual sport and the mental challenges are, are so unique for what you have to deal uh, with in a whole in and whole out basis. So I'm, I'm, I want to start with just building a team. It's an individual sport. How has Indiana Wesleyan started to build a team in an environment where the individual is, is out there on a course by himself or herself? Yeah, I think the first thing um, that IWU does really well is they recognize the importance of a team um, and the relational aspect in an individual sport like golf. Because um, if you don't recognize that, um, then the team chemistry going into a tournament isn't going to be great. Your mindset's not going to be great. Um, so I think a lot of teams undervalue that for golf. Um, but for us, um, you know, we've really worked on being open and honest with each other, um, which I think creates a better mindset of confidence that your teammates are going to rally behind you and uh, they're fighting for you both in practice and heading into a tournament and even out there during the, during the round. I know Coach Oak has, has talked about that, the value of authenticity and the value of uh, people being able to be themselves, both off the course and on the course. But how does faith play into this? So you're on a course and you have often seven, eight minutes between shots and your mind can go in so many different directions, which is very different from basketball, say, where you're just in the flow of the game. So. Nick, how do, you, how do you see your faith in Christ playing out when you're actually on the course? Yeah, um, there's definitely a lot of time to think in between shots. Um, so for me, having you know, Christ to fall onto um, and having an attitude of prayer, um, and having my mind focused there in between shots, um, I think keeps me in a space where I keep a better perspective on the game and on the shots that I hit. Um, it's not the end of the world if I miss a green um, or miss a putt, um, and it's also not, um, you know, the greatest thing to ever happen in the on the world or on the planet if I uh, if I stuff one close to the hole. So, um, I think for me, having an attitude of prayer and worship out there um, keeps me more focused, but also I can enjoy the game um, better, uh, and I'm more loose, and I can also interact with the playing competitors in a better way. Um, I can be a better example of Christ. Um, so I can, there's time where you have, uh, there's rounds where you have where you can talk to the, the playing competitors in between shots and you can be an example of Christ in the way you speak about them um, and to them and the way you speak about other people um, and conversations you're having. Um, and you can also uh, be an example of Christ in the way you serve your playing competitors. So you can fix ball marks on the green or rake bunkers for them. I mean. It, it's a lot of uh, etiquette in the game, and the way you treat um, your playing competitors inside the game, I think, speaks volumes for, for your faith. But Brooke, the golf, maybe as much as any other sport, you deal with adversity and you deal with a bad hole or a bad shot. How do you respond to that, and how does your faith play into to what actually happens after a bad shot or a bad hole? Yeah, if I have a bad shot, I just have to... Um mentally think about like why I had that shot and just really pray and just worship God and just say, God, like, why are you doing this to me? Like, I find an identity in you and um, I need to d delight in you and just 
really just have really positive thoughts and just really think about um, each shot purposefully and just um, really pray to you and just really try to find that next momentum that I could shoot a birdie or get on a par streak. So, the, Both programs have had a lot of success recently. You're, you guys are playing on the course at a really high level. What do you attribute that to? Yeah, I think uh, on the guys' side, having the consistency of coaching, um, falling into a rhythm this year. Um, this is uh, Coach Rubrik's second season, and so to have a coach um, be there consistently um, over the course of two years, we've really been able to, to shift our mindset um, as a team to, uh, I think, rally around each other better. Um, I think we feel more consistency um, as a program, as a men's program, um, and so we're able to be more open, more honest with each other, um, establish stronger relationships with each other uh, beforehand. Um, and then I think when we go out onto the golf course, um, we're just in a better space um, holistically. I think golf is such a unique sport in that way. Um, like you said earlier, it's not you know as reactionary as something like basketball. So um, if you're not in... Um, you know, a, a place of holding spiritually, relationally with your teammates or with other people in your life um, or emotionally, um, it's going to be tougher for you to go out and perform well because um, it is such a mental game. So I think for us, having that mindset shift of um, caring for one another uh, more consistently, I think it's really contributed to, to our uh, consistency of play. Brooke, how about you on the women's side? For the women's side, I would say we have a lot of talent this year. We have four new players that really contribute to the team. And just finding that relationships with each one and just really diving in and pouring into them and um, finding like, like prayer with them and worshiping God with the, um, each one of us and just having some devotional times has really helped unify our team and just um, connect well and find um, this great group of girls that can just come out and really play for God and just have that ability because all of us have talent and so we just need that mental mindset that we can all just contribute as a team and pick each other up when someone goes down. But I'm sure for someone in your spot as a senior you could respond in one, or, one of two ways. There's a talented crop of new players coming in and some senior leaders may be threatened by that. How have you been able to embrace them and allow them to really understand the culture of the team while still remaining confident in your own game? Um, I would say that I'm a pretty uh, positive person and just really welcoming. So I try to have that relationship with each one of the girls and just really connect with them and ask how they're doing or lift them up if they need some prayer or if something's going on in their life. I just really kind of dive down and try to get to that point where they can lift themselves up and play really well because we all have talent. And so I just, I'm not an intimidating person, so I just use my ability to encourage each one and have that positive mindset for each girl. Last thing, you guys are both seniors. You've been through the university. You've been through the golf program. Why has Indiana Wesleyan been such a valuable experience for you? And, and what would you say to maybe a potential recruit who's listening in, why Indiana Wesleyan? Indiana Wesleyan, um, come spiritual growth first and then academics and then like has leadership and athletics all at the same place so I really believe that um, IWU is the place for everyone if they're really diving into having a um, Christ-centered relationship and then
building that onto the academics and our athletics. Um, it's just a great place to grow spiritually and just to make friends for a lifetime. Yeah, I would agree. I think, especially um, in my academic experience, the professors uh, are really intentional about caring for their students, um, both the academic success, uh, but also the spiritual success. Uh, I know I've I mean, most of my classes start out with a prayer, um, and it's a very um, intentional prayer. We go around the room asking for prayer requests. So um, I think the professors really care about the students. And then on the athletic side, um, I think the coaching staff as a whole in this program um, do a great job of living out the mission um, to provide unity and spiritual growth. Uh, and so I think it's just a unique culture as, a, as an entire athletic department um, that I don't see having the connectivity between so many different sports and so many different teams at other schools. So um, I think just building a culture of unity um, and really living out faith in a practical way and caring for people is probably the huge thing for me. We're joined again by Athletic Director Mark DeMichael. In our last episode, we started to introduce the idea of how intentional shared experiences have become such a part of how you lead this department. Why has that become so important? Well, when you have spiritual pillars, foundational pillars for your department, and, and they focus on scripture verse, and they have things like unity in the Holy Spirit and humility in Christ, and you're a body of Christ, worshiping, praying, learning, growing with each other as a community, is critical and and really important in the development of that. So we've, we've been intentional in planning events that had as foundational elements our pillars and then having as many opportunities where we're doing it together so that our student athletes and coaches start to see the shared mission that even though their sports may be different, the calling is the same. So the next several episode, we're going to go into individual examples of these intentional shared experiences. And we heard in the second half from Nick Shad, and, and Nick is one of the many athletes in our department that have gone on the Leadership Summit. Now it's held in Montana, and he's a representation of that. And listeners heard from him and heard his heart. But I want to rewind back to the first time you organized a Leadership Summit. Where did the idea come from, and what did you do that first year? Yeah, it was really... Um... I, I met with a, a friend and mentor of mine. His name is Sam Riggleman, and he was a baseball coach at Spring Arbor, took me under his wing when I came to Indiana Wesleyan as a baseball coach, and then he was moved into the athletic director role at Spring Arbor. And when I became the AD, just talking to him about some things, and I really felt strong in my heart of burden that redefining leadership and what leadership looks like in the realm of athletics is something that really needed to happen. That was an important piece because in athletics, leadership just seems so much to be about power and over people and how the, the Lord's definition and Jesus' example of what true leadership is is not that. It's, it's servant leadership and it's influence and it's unconditional love. And so wanting to do that and, and in conversations with Sam, uh, he had talked about a program, a small program that he had started at Spring Arbor in leadership training and that really prompted my heart to start praying and thinking about, okay, what can we do in that area. And so in talking with some of the coaches, we came up with the idea of a, a servant leadership retreat summit for student athletes that would involve an athlete from each team. Again, to, to get that whole unity piece involved there too, where we really felt like a bridge to all the teams really viewing each other as the same, sharing the same mission. We needed to help them build relationships with each other. So we 
we uh, developed that. And the first year, 11 years ago, 10 years ago now, 11 years ago, we went on our first IW Athletics Servant Leadership Summit down to Southern Indiana for four days. We had one athlete from each team and three coaches with myself. And we had a very general curriculum, um, biblically-based curriculum that we used and had an intense four days of servant leadership training. And, and the Lord moved in amazing ways. And we, we knew that first time, okay, this is something that's going to be critical to the transformation of the culture of our department. And this idea has grown since then. So can you just share what's happened since that first meeting in Southern Indiana? Yeah, it's been amazing to see the Lord's work in that. So we did that first retreat in Southern Indiana. I came in the summer. We, I came back in the fall. We started the school year as normal. And just one random day in September, I received a, a phone call from a man who introduced himself as Harvey Ganey. And I said hi to Harvey. I had no idea who Harvey was. And Harvey started picking my brain about this this retreat he heard that we did down in Southern Indiana about servant leadership training. So I talked to him about what, what we did and what our, our vision was for this retreat and how we were praying, how the Lord would work in that to transform our athletic department culture and talked about our curriculum and, and our, our goals for that. And he said, well, I, I happen to have a ranch out in Montana that we we feel called to use that for just this type of thing. And we'd like to invite you to have our have your retreat, your summit at our ranch every summer. Well, of course, my first reaction was, well, that's we really appreciate that, Harvey, but um, we don't have the money. This is a fundraised event. We don't have the money to be able to get to Montana or to do, go that far. He said, no, you don't understand. We have a foundation that supports the ranch. So all you have to do is get your group here. Everything else will be paid for by our foundation. So it was just an amazing conversation. And come to find out later that he had had a conversation with Sam Riggleman, that there was a relationship there with Spring Arbor, and he was looking for a, a Christian college athletic department to come, and they had an open week. And Sam mentioned us, and he gave me a call, and, and we've been going there ever since. And we hear stories all the time about what happens in the lives of the student-athletes while they're on this retreat. What does happen? Transformation. Um, you pray when you have a servant leadership summit, you pray that during the week, the Lord really works in the hearts of these athletes who are chosen, typically younger student athletes, sophomores or juniors, that their coaches really look at them as potential leaders, maybe not leaders yet, but they have the potential to be influential leaders on their team. You pray that over that week, that whatever preconceived definition they had of what a leader looks like, that that will be changed and they'll start to see leadership through Jesus' eyes and what the life that he lived. That's really the goal of the curriculum. But what we find every year is as we focus on God's word, as we have our devotional times, as we have our intentional small group prayer times and accountability times, the Holy Spirit starts to work in the group and a spiritual theme starts to rise every, every summer. And we never know what that is, but it does, happens every summer. That really seems to be a, something that that group in general is either struggling with or it's a new piece of their spiritual walk that the Holy Spirit brings forth that is a shared thing among them. And uh, it's not a part of the plan. It's not something that we manipulate happens. We cover the curriculum. We pray. We're intentional with the spiritual focus times and the devos. And the Holy Spirit just works and brings a theme that really changes lives. So I want to uh, ask one final question, maybe speaking to a leader out there that's listening saying, we don't have the budget to do something like that, or the leader that say, I really want to control every detail. It sounds like 
both you've released this to God and given him the freedom to operate how he wants. And also he's provided a, a space. So how would you encourage that leader that's kind of wrestling through, but maybe has a hunger to do something like this? Have faith. If you have a hunger to do it and it, it's it's coming after prayer, uh, the Lord's going to find a way for it to make, to make it work in the way he wants to make it work. Whether it's the location, he'll open up a door for the location to happen. Uh, if it's a donor that will help bring the money in or some revenue source. And then, you know, the way we look at the curriculum is we, we've got a couple hours, three, four hours of sessions every day, but we, we intentionally build in time away from the coaches, small groups, individual time to allow the Holy Spirit to have room to, to do his work and to stay out of his way. So we intentionally don't try to micromanage or organize the retreat. And that flexibility has allowed the Lord to, to move into those spaces and do transformational work in the individual lives of the athletes and then in our department as a whole. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask iWoo Hoops on a future episode, hashtag AskIWooHoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at iWoo Hoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.